Welcome to today's local environment, the Compliance Podcast, brought to you by Elgene, the local government environmental assistance network. Elgene is a first stop shop providing local governments with user friendly information on compliance with federal environmental regulations, funding strategies, and tools for advancing healthy and sustainable communities for all. Brought to you by the Environmental Law Institute under a cooperative agreement with the United States Environmental Protection Agency. ELI makes law work for people, places, and the planet. Welcome to EPA States and Permittees Take on Significant Noncompliance, an episode of today's local environment, the Compliance Podcast, produced by the Local Government Environmental Assistance Network under a cooperative agreement between the Environmental Law Institute and the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. My name is Cynthia Harris, and I'm Deputy Director of ELI Center for State, Tribal, and Local Environmental Programs. And I'm Shelley Chowdhury, a research associate here at ELI. Cynthia, today's episode covers a very significant subject. That's right. In fact, this episode is so significant, so packed full of information that we're going to talk pretty much only in acronyms for maximum efficiency. We're what? That's not in my script. It was a last minute change. Now, for this episode, we sit down with DP from EPA to get the DL on EPA's NCI for reducing SNC for NIFTES permittees. And there goes our five star rating. <laughs> Anyways, first of all, our guest today goes by Daniel Palmer. He's a Deputy Division Director at the Environmental Protection Agency. Well, it's a completely fine to just say EPA and you can call me DAN or just Dan. Dan's here to give us an overview, not the DL, on the agency's national compliance initiative for reducing the level of significant non-compliance with National Pollutant Discharge Elimination Pollution System Permits. Wow, that is a mouthful. Uh, I guess we will need to use some acronyms. LOL, it's a necessity, I'm afraid. GMTA, great minds think alike. Fine, but we'll use them judiciously. Uh, Dan, could you start off by telling us a bit about you and your role at EPA? I am a manager and an attorney at EPA's Office of Enforcement and Compliance Assurance and one of three SNC chairs leading this initiative. I'm in my 33rd year at EPA. Wow, I'll bet you've seen the agency really evolve over time. Yes, that's right. In fact, I started working at EPA in 1988 as a Clean Water Act enforcement attorney. And so leading this initiative has brought me back to my roots. So now leading this NCI, I'm immersed in working with folks at EPA and in the states to figure out how we can achieve better levels of compliance with NIPTES permittees. It's also worth noting that the Clean Water Act NCI is one of the six NCI's EPA's Office of Enforcement and Compliance Assurance selected in 2019 and is now actively pursuing. You play a key role in this national compliance initiative, NCI as Dan said, for those keeping track, under the Clean Water Act. Perhaps we could start with a bit of a refresher on the Clean Water Act itself. Uh, absolutely. A key part of the Clean Water Act here, Clean CWA, for our acronym trackers is the National Pollutant Discharge Elimination System Permit Program or NPDES. The NPDES program governs point source discharges of pollution into the waters of the US. 
For local governments, this would mean, say, discharges from publicly owned wastewater treatment plants and stormwater collection systems, right? Yes, and any other discharges to surface waters from municipal facilities, drinking water plants, for example. Permits specify an acceptable level of pollutant that may be legally discharged to meet state and federal standards for clean water. So compliance with NPDES permits reduces impacts of pollution on drinking water supplies and watersheds from untreated contaminated water. And Dan, just to issue these permits anyway. States mostly, 47 states and one, one U.S. territory, no tribes currently, issue NPDES permits. We'll call them the permitting authorities. With EPA as the permitting authority in just three states, the states clearly play a lead role in carrying out the NPDES program and the NCI. And what exactly is the NCI? So we say the SNC-NCI for short. The SNC National Compliance Initiative is a program where we at EPA and people in the states, those permitting authorities, are focusing new and much increased attention on the most serious NPDES permit violators. That means we're focusing increased compliance and enforcement resources on permit holders that have significant non-compliance level violations with their permits. The NCI officially started in 2019, but we actually began the current focus on reducing significant non-compliance with NPDES permits as a long-term agency planning goal in 2018. And the EPA's NPDES SNC definition has been a management tool used by the agency and the states for over 30 years to help us focus attention on the worst violators. Significant non-compliance, or SNC for acronym collection. What exactly does it mean to be in significant non-compliance with your permit, especially for local governments? So SNC can be generated by different types of non-compliance. It can mean that a permittee is significantly exceeding the effluent limits in, in their permit. For example, exceedance of effluent limits that are standard in POTW permits like biochemical oxygen demand, BOD, or suspended solids, TSS, by 40% or more will produce an SNC designation if it continues for two quarters in a row. There are also reporting violations, especially when a permittee doesn't submit their discharge monitoring report, or DMR. Big deal because a failure to submit reports can mask serious violations. Failure to monitor per permit requirements and incorrect sampling are also problems. Ultimately, whether a violation amounts to significant noncompliance is determined by a combination of the level, duration, and frequency of a permit of a facility's permit violations. I imagine this has significant consequences for public health and the environment too. Yes, you're right, it does. Some common pollution problems that contaminate our rivers and streams, lakes and beaches result from NPDES permit violations, including bacteria from fecal contamination, decreased oxygen in the water killing fish and other organisms, excessive discharges of oil and grease, chemicals, nutrients and metals. For example, in 2020, EPA Region 9 in San Francisco settled a an enforcement case against the city of San Juan Bautista, California, for discharging wastewater that exceeded permit limits, primarily for chlorides and sodium, failure to properly monitor and maintain records, and failure to adequately 
operate and maintain its wastewater treatment system. Can Juan Bautista is required to implement substantial capital improvement projects to return to compliance as part of the settlement of that enforcement case. Now, just how many permittees are in C anyway, Dan? To give you a sense of the scope, there are approximately 46,000 individual NPDES permitted facilities in the United States. As of 2018, a little over 20% of these facilities were in significant non-compliance with their permits. I understand SNC level non-compliance is a big issue for operators of small municipal wastewater systems, generally defined as those that discharge less than one MGD. When I was preparing for this episode, I read that 60% of recent NPDES SNC violations occurred at small wastewater treatment plants. Why is that exactly? Well, that's a good question, and we're continuing to look into it. We want to understand the root causes of municipal non-compliance. We're seeing some indicators like inadequate financing, unavailability and unaffordability of good plant operators, and other deeper, bigger issues like depopulation in some rural and urban areas, underlying social issues. These big picture issues contribute to problems that produce non-compliance, problems like infrastructure maintenance, falling by the wayside, reduced ability to hire trained operators, and inadequate funds for operation beyond the minimum. But getting back to your question, why is 60% of the SNC occurring at small municipal wastewater treatment plants? A key reason is that there are so many of them. Think of all the towns and cities across the entire US. Another driver is the fact that traditionally EPA and states have focused most of our attention on ensuring that major permittees are in compliance. Because of the SNC NCI, we're focusing beyond majors, we're focusing our attention on small permittees as well, including small municipal systems, many of which have not been as closely scrutinized for compliance. So we're catching up on these small systems, some of which have real challenges as I've described. All that said, we also know that there are some small systems that for no good reason don't pay adequate attention to complying with their permit. Of course, this is both a compliance and an enforcement initiative. Dan, I'm going to ask the question that uh, probably comes as a surprise given all the existing underlying issues. Is COVID-19 exacerbating the situation? As far as I can tell, there haven't been a lot of impacts to wastewater treatment facilities' ability to comply from COVID, but it has created some challenges for implementing the SNC NCI. We in many states are limited uh, in the on-site inspections that we've been able to do for quite some time, but these are now beginning to come back online. We can and will inspect facilities where an on-site inspection is essential to protecting public health, innovative technologies to monitor compliance. Wow, and innovation is something we've seen a lot of this past year, and it sounds like EPA is no exception. Yes, and I'm really proud of how our folks have risen to the challenge of carrying, carrying out our mandate, even through the pandemic. For example, we have people who would normally be out in the field doing inspections, but who instead have been conducting desk audits to assess facility compliance, and even conducting off-site facility monitoring with facility employees carrying a phone or a tablet around the facility with video running, showing the EPA inspector around. 
but as more of our inspectors are receiving vaccines, our on-site inspection presence is increasing. Considering all of these challenges, what would you say is the goal of the NCI? So the overarching goal of the initiative is pretty darned ambitious. We want to cut the SMC rate in half by the end of FY 2022, and we're making progress. So far, we've reduced the SMC rate from 20.3%, the 2018 baseline, now to about 14%. And we have a second goal, which is to assure that the worst SMCs are timely and appropriately addressed. Our intention is to achieve the reduction in the SMC rate and at the same time, make sure that, we have not, that we're not just going after the low-hanging SNC fruit, but also assuring we get the worst violators into compliance. I also want to say again, we want to understand the drivers behind non-compliance, especially municipal non-compliance, and use this information to inform us about what needs to happen to improve compliance. As I've mentioned, non-compliance often is driven by factors other than bad intentions or negligence factors that are more difficult to address. We're not shying away from shining light on these other factors and trying to solve them. So that's the 30,000 foot view. And thank you, Dan. We're gonna take a quick break. When we return, we'll drill down into what the NCI means for local governments. Thank you for listening to the show. Before we return to today's local environment, the Compliance Podcast. A reminder that you can find a variety of user-friendly tips, funding resources, and other tools for ensuring your community complies with federal environmental regulations by visiting lgene.net. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Dan, let's talk about what this means for local governments. If you can walk us through the process. If I were a system operator listening to this podcast, I want to double check that I'm actually in compliance. How do I do this? Another good question. Since operators want to avoid being in non-compliance in the first place and remediate the situation now if they are, first, you assess your own system. You can review your permit and discharge monitoring reports, your DMRs, to look for effluent exceedances and see whether your DMRs are being filled out completely and submitted in a timely manner. Not submitting timely DMRs is a significant piece of the municipal SNC problem. Another acronym. We really should post a bingo card with the show notes. Uh, speaking of which, operators can also look up their facility on EPA's Enforcement and Compliance History Online tool, ECHO, right? They sure can. ECHO is a great tool, and I'm glad you mentioned it. That's echo.epa.gov. ECHO is EPA's online site to visit to see your compliance status and to see whether any violations you've had put you into an SNC status where you really don't want to be. And once you know if you're in non-compliance, you can take immediate steps to identify the specific violations and take corrective actions to ensure they don't recur, right? Yes, and EPA and states have plenty of resources online where you can find lists of common causes um, that can lead to non-compliance along with suggested solutions. It's also a good idea to contact the EPA or state permitting authority to discuss your violations and seek help to prevent further violations as needed. In most cases though, I'm guessing you're informed about your non-compliance by the permitting authority. Well, we mentioned DMRs, those discharge monitoring reports, 
And that's the report of self-monitoring data many NPDES permit holders are required to submit. The DMRs required to be provided by the permit holder, usually monthly, sometimes less frequently, provide information on exceedances of permitted effluent levels that are sent by the permittee to both EPA and the state. So the permit holder is generally the first to know that they have exceeded their permit effluent limits or failed to timely submit their DMR. EPA or the state to get more compliance information also may ask for additional information from the permittee or conduct a facility inspection. And if the EPA or the state determine based on the DMRs or information collected via an information request or an inspection that there is a violation, we or the state may follow up with an enforcement action. EPA and the states consider all available compliance information and case-specific factors and use enforcement discretion in determining an appropriate response to noncompliance. EPA typically escalates in its enforcement response, possibly to assess penalties and or go to court where there are ongoing or repeat violations. And what does that mean specifically? As an operator, I want to comply with my permit. And we compliance personnel at EPA and in the states want to work with permittees to help them to do that. There's a full suite of compliance assurance tools we use, including making compliance assistance resources available, increased monitoring and inspections, and various levels of enforcement actions. The tools and approaches we use depend on compliance and enforcement tools made available under federal and state laws. For egregious violations, federal civil judicial enforcement or even criminal prosecution may be warranted. Uh, the highest federal civil penalty under the CWA could be up to $56,460 per day per violation. But the importance of protecting water quality for the public health and environment is pretty much always motivation enough for our listeners. Fortunately, permittees can usually identify the problem causing their noncompliance and find ways to solve it. Those might include conducting staff training, correcting record keeping or reporting deficiencies, making operational and maintenance changes, or investing in capital improvements, such as implementing upgraded or new treatment technologies. Once there's a consistent pattern of compliance, the SNC designation resolves after certain criteria are met within a period of time, I should add. Compliance is the goal here. And what can permittees, local and tribal governments especially, do either on the front end to stay in compliance or after they're found out to be a non-compliance or SNC? Having an NPDES permit allowing for legal discharges of pollutants in limited amounts is a privilege, not a right. Permittees are responsible for knowing their permit requirements, like effluent limits, sampling, reporting, and any special conditions, self-monitoring their compliance with those requirements, and promptly correcting any non-compliance issues. There are a lot of resources available to assist permittees, but let me give you the big three to start with. Compliance assistance, technical assistance, and financial assistance. And we'll link to many of those resources in the show notes, so no need to write them down. So first, Let's talk about compliance assistance, which I think of as the tools and resources that help permittees comply with their permits. For example, a reminder to a permit holder of when their discharge monitoring report is due 
or a fact sheet that explains in plain language the individual tasks that a permit holder must do to comply. An example is a compliance alert that we just issued as part of the SNC NCI to assist small mechanical wastewater treatment plants in operating in compliance. It's a great troubleshooting document that I hope will prove useful to many, many operators. Next is technical assistance. What are some examples, Dan? I think of technical assistance as in-depth manuals, training, or an in-person circuit rider who visits the permit holder to help them run their operation effectively. Examples would be a detailed troubleshooting manual for wastewater treatment plants or a webinar on optimizing nutrient production. In fact, we're working on one now, a manual, for lagoon systems and should issue it soon. And there are many other sources for obtaining technical assistance, including non-governmental organizations like the National Rural Water Association, NRWA, or the Rural Community Assistance Partnership, RCAP, as well as state and federal environmental agencies. Wateroperator.org is a great place to go for operator training. Oh, and I have to mention that we were doing monthly webinars to provide technical assistance to small municipal system operators. Each webinar focuses on a different piece of the wastewater treatment plant operation and compliance problem. We've had great attendance at these webinars and the feedback is that operators find them very, very useful. That sounds great. The third one is financial assistance and we actually just released a podcast all about that topic. That's great. And yes, financial assistance is critical. I take a wide view of it as including guidance, training, websites, or one-on-one -on -one counseling for municipal leaders to help them evaluate their financial needs and help them planning and paying for improvements. Two great resources that come to mind are EPA's Water Finance Clearinghouse, which allows you to quickly locate funding sources that might be available to you. The other is the Environmental Finance Center Network. And we had two terrific guests from the center at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill recently. Yes, they're a great resource. There are eight centers throughout the U.S. that are in place specifically to help systems with long-term planning and accessing things like low-interest loans and grants to pay for infrastructure upgrades. I'll add that all of the things I've mentioned, NRWA, RCAP, EFCNS, wateroperator.org, are linked on lgene.net and in the new EPA Compliance Advisory for Small Mechanical Wastewater Systems, which is jam-packed with all sorts of information uh, like we've just mentioned. Of course, don't forget to ask for help from your permitting agency and other nearby systems that may be able to give you great advice and mentoring on overcoming some of the same challenges you're facing. Thank you, Dan. These resources help put operators back in the driver's seat to get a handle on their discharges. This really shows us how local governments can work closely with EPA and their state permitting agency to resolve what at first looks like a pretty insurmountable problem. We also really want to empower the community. So what should members of the public do uh, if they suspect someone is out of compliance and they're really worried about the health and environmental impacts they're facing in their community? Community members can track the compliance at a facility by looking at the data available in ECHO, which we mentioned earlier. 
You can report your compliance concerns to the permitting authority, state or EPA, and report online to EPA's enforcement program at echo.epa.gov forward slash report hyphen environmental hyphen violations, or you can contact your EPA regional office. An important note, if you suspect an imminent threat to human health or the environment, please contact the National Response Center by calling 1-800-424-8802. And we'll be certain to link to all of those plus more in the show notes and on the LGN website. Are there any success stories you'd like to highlight, Dan? You bet. We just reported a major drop in the SNC rate, which is now down to 14.1%. Remember, we started over 40% and our goal is 10.1%. So we and the states are making great, great progress and we're on track to reach our goal. This is a result of the hard work at EPA, hard work by the states and NPDES permittees as well, paying attention to and improving their compliance. Definitely a really positive note to end on. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dan. We covered a number of significant topics and resources for our listeners. Very glad to be here, thank you. And thank you to our wonderful listeners too, as always. Until next time, this is Cynthia Harris and Shella Chowdhury with the Environmental Law Institute, closing out another episode of Today's Local Environment, the Compliance Podcast. Thank you for listening to Today's Local Environment, the Compliance Podcast, a podcast brought to you by LG, the Local Government Environmental Assistance Network. Visit us at lgene.net and on social media for user-friendly tips, funding resources, and other tools ensuring your community complies with federal environmental regulations. And please, take our latest survey while you're there. Together, we can advance healthy and sustainable communities for all.